Godless Public Education and Sin. By Ray Barrow. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come but woe unto him, through whom they come. It were better for him, that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Luke 17 verse 12. In this newsletter we will attempt to answer three basic questions. 1. Is the present system of public education godly or godless? 2. Can a Christian remain faithful to God and his law, and still send his children to such a system, or does this necessarily involve sin? 3. And why or why not? The application, or general equity, of the principles enumerated here can often be applied to other areas of life also. Public schools have been singled out because, as the Earl of Athlone, Governor General of Canada from 1940 to 1946, said, to the state there exists in the world in all classes of society a veritable revolt against divine law, the moral law, which they strive to eliminate from the education of its youth and government of its nations. Education without religion sooner or later marches to its doom. Furthermore, Martin Luther has pointed out the extreme importance of this question, when he stated, I am afraid that the schools will prove the very gates of hell, unless they diligently labor in explaining the holy scriptures and engraving them in the heart of the youth. Also, there is no doubt that the public schools have become the established church of secular society. Moreover, as evidenced by the words of our Lord in Luke 17 verse 12, above, this is not an issue to be taken lightly. For a church or for parents, says Rishduni, to have no regard for the fact, that their children are receiving a godless education is a mark of apostasy. Or, as Henry Van Til states, in the great spiritual warfare the forces of darkness are organized against the Lord and his anointed. Any organization, that claims to be neutral, as do the public schools and some labor organizations, is by the token denying Christ's claims of absolute lordship over all things. As such they are serving the cause of the Antichrist. To deny this is either willful blindness or willful ignorance of the devil's devices and the claims of Christ. I hope that the words offered herein will be enough, to spark a prayerful meditation upon the holiness of God and obedience to his law regarding the education of your children. What is sin? To serve God faithfully we must know the answer to the question, what is sin? To answer this question we will turn to, what many consider one of the most useful literary documents ever produced, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Its simple, yet profound statement of biblical truth, given an answer to our question reads, Sin is any one of conformity unto, or transgression of, the law of God. 1 John 3 verse 4 For the purpose of placing the public education system under the searchlight of the Word of God, this definition coupled with another helpful exposition from the Westminster Larger Catechism, will prove most illuminating. Question 105 of the Westminster Larger Catechism asks, What are the sins forbidden in the First Commandment? The answer reads in part, The sins forbidden in the First Commandment, are, Atheism, in denying or not having a God, Idolatry, and having or worshipping more gods than one, or any with or instead of the true God. Psalm 14 verse 1. Ephesians 2 verse 12. The first transgression of the first commandment, atheism or no goodism, with a capital G, 
would be more than enough to bring a guilty verdict against almost all, if not all, public schools. The public schools' own documents, policies, textbooks, teachers and goals clearly attest to this fact. One zero almost a hundred years ago, Dr. A. Answer Hodge of Princeton Seminary wrote, I am, as sure as I am of the fact of Christ's reign, that a comprehensive and centralized system of national education, separated from religion, as is now commonly proposed, will prove the most appalling engine for the propagation of anti-Christian and atheistic unbelief and of anti-social nihilistic ethics, social and political, which this inred world has ever seen. Most prophetic indeed. The case has also been stated in this way, obviously the schools are not Christian. Just as obviously they are not neutral. The scriptures say that the fear of the Lord is the chief part of knowledge, but the schools, by omitting all reference to God, give the pupils the notion that knowledge can be had apart from God. They teach in effect that God has no control of history, that there is no plan of events, that God is working out, that God does not foreordain whatsoever comes to pass, the public schools are not, never were, can never be, neutral. Neutrality is impossible. Let one ask what neutrality can possibly mean when God is involved. How does God judge the school system which says to him, O God, we neither deny nor assert thy existence. And O God, we neither obey nor disobey thy commands, we are strictly neutral. The big lie of the public schools is that the God of the Bible is irrelevant. The textbooks never mention him. Everyone assumes that children do not need to know anything about God, God's law, and God's word in order to become educated people. This is Satan's own lie. These testimonies could be multiplied, but the point may be better illustrated by taking a look at your own situation and responsibility before God. 2. Whomever you send your children assuming you are not already homeschooling, you are delegating your God-given authority in loco parentis, as stewards of these precious little souls, to have them trained in accordance with the revealed will of God. Whom then are you sending your children to? Is it to those that love, honor, and obey the God of the Bible, recognizing His Word, as the final authority over all areas of life? Is it to, those who understand that man's chief end is to glorify God? Is it to those who worship God out of a clear conscience, sprinkled with the blood of Christ? If you cannot answer a resounding yes to every one of these questions, it is time to seek the Lord in repentance and begin to rectify this situation. That is, unless you can produce a biblical mandate for sending your children to those who are the enemies of Christ and of his gospel. Can you do this? Moreover, this is all compounded in the case of those who understand covenant theology, have taken vows regarding membership in the local church, and or have responded at household baptisms, pledging before God to do all in their power, to aid the spiritual progress of the children in the covenant community. This sin is doubly compounded in the case of ministers' elders, as they will receive the greater judgment, James 3 verse 1, should they violate their vows of obedience to Christ and stumble the flock, by sending their own children to be taught by the Moabites and Amorites of the 20th century. Soon to be shared shepherds. Gary North, not known as one who pulls his punches, has summarized the situation beautifully, those parents, who care enough to get their children into their, the parents, schools, by financing those schools, 
will not be so ready to swallow secular humanism, they are paying for the future, and their vision concerns the future. The man, who sends his children into the public school system is present-oriented, no matter how much he protests. The war against the enemy of Christ, secular humanism, will not be won through the leadership provided by present-oriented defenders of the government school system. The battle for Christian reconstruction is many-faceted, but there is a single litmus test to separate the shepherds from the soon, to be sheared sheep in this battle their support, financial, familistic, and verbal, of the Christian day school movement. Anyone who fails this test may still be a regenerate sheep, but he should be recognized as one about to be sheared. If you choose to lead men away from humanism's shearing, rather than follow the flock into the shearing room, then start doing something to build up an independent Christian school, and if you can't put up with that, then start your own. But stay out of the camp of the soon to be shared. Just in case there are those who remain unconvinced, I will leave you with one of the first arguments that helped me see the wisdom of the Christian and home school movement. Suppose a minister was asked to teach your children's Sunday school class at the religious meeting house you attend. This minister denies the deity of Christ, the Trinity, and the plenary inspiration of the Bible. Would you allow this man to teach your children or would you protest? If you would protest, why would you do so? Obviously, because to give your children over to an anti-Christian teacher is a violation of God's law. Now, at what point does it become lawful before God to send your children, to sit under the teaching of the same man at the state-established religious meeting house down the road, called the public school? The only difference in instruction involving a change of location and time and the assumption of fictitious neutrality. Covenant Keeping I can see a little consistency, stated J. Gresham Mackin, in a type of Christian activity, which preaches the gospel on the street corners and at the ends of earth, but neglects the children of the covenant by abandoning them to a cold and unbelieving secularism. The excuses for taking the short-term easy road of public education are legion among Christians. They range from I can offset the public school's influence, by teaching my children at home between lunch and after school, which only admits of guilt, while at the same time begging the question, to the always present I don't have the time, or I can't afford it, though large mortgages, new cars, televisions, etc., are easily affordable. Eternity will witness the damage that such a selfish and ungodly agenda produces. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. You are welcome to make copies and give them to those in need. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. It is likely that the sermon or book that you just listened to is also available on cassette or video, or as a printed book or booklet. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D, 
M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.